If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have a great guest today. I'm talking to Moran Poba. Moran is the founder of ABD Assets. He's a former Israeli Defense Force soldier that now left the army to become an entrepreneur. So in his entrepreneurial journey, he's been a consultant to several companies and venture firms, helping them think about entrepreneurship issues as well as growing their businesses. His prior entrepreneurship ventures include uh, an app company called iTips, which was a top 100 rated app on iTunes. His current company, like I mentioned earlier, is ABD Assets, and it's focused on acquiring equity stakes in companies with high growth prospects around the world. He and his team work together to increase the value of their acquired companies, and along the way, they help the entrepreneurs or the people exiting the companies. Um, find operational and financial levers to pull to make the businesses more successful. So I'm pleased to have Moran on the show today to tell us a little bit about himself and his background. So Moran, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Let's Great. do it. Yeah. So Moran, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into business and entrepreneurship? Yeah, pretty straightforward. I try to get into, uh, I think I, I tried to be a business owner from the day I remember myself. Like I, I used to sell things on eBay when I was like 17, 18. I used to go to the local market, buy pictures uh, for 10 bucks and trying to sell them for like 50 bucks. And that's kind of like was um, one of my first ventures. And I was like, you know, I was like, there's no way I'm working for someone else. And since then I was just trying to, to build momentum and, and grow as, as much as I can. Mm. Okay, so high school, you were doing those little hustles, and then I know by the time you get out of high school, you have to serve your country for a couple years in the army, right? That's where your mm -hmm. military background came from, right? Yeah, exactly, because I'm, um, I'm born and raised in, in Israel, and every guy got to do three years in the army. It's uh, mandatory, and yeah, so after the, after the army, um, which I definitely got a lot from, I basically started my own different businesses, and yeah, that's that's how the journey started. Okay, so before I talk about the businesses you started, I know I read somewhere that your initial passion was to become an international football star. That is soccer for those listening in the United uh, States. Yeah. So, um, a why didn't you become a soccer star at a young age, and b mm -hmm. How did you transfer the passion you had for soccer into business? That's an amazing question. Uh, so I basically played soccer, football, however you call it, from, from wherever you are. Um, from basically the, the day I remember myself, how I, it's funny, I was a goalkeeper. I was, a, I was actually um, playing as a second goalkeeper in the professional leagues here in Israel when I was like 17. You know, they, I was just like on the bench. Uh, but then uh, just different injuries and the fact that I went to the army. And it, it, when you go to the army, you just need to make a decision. Do you 
want to do a full service where you do whatever you can or you do whatever you can to focus on on your career and at that point to be honest i, I was if i'm trying to be transparent i was pretty average i wasn't like the best in the country and i, I just made a decision that yeah i, I just don't like it as much i, I had injuries just uh, so many things at the same time also the fact that i i needed money so i would just went to work all sorts of different things and and just i guess mindset issues at that age i've got no doubt that if i had the same mindset that i have now things would be different back then and um yeah just just in general i don't know i'm, I'm not regretting not not being there because in the end of the day um i i really love what i'm doing right now but um it was definitely a great experience for many many years that taught me a lot about just life in general and and trying to be good at something you mentioned something just now which was mindset issues when you were younger and the need to make money so that i mean you saying that then i'm, I'm just going to take it and assume that you know you're not from uh the donald trump you know privileged rich man. <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all not, not even close yeah okay. So what were some of those mindset issues and challenges you had growing up? And then now, how did your mindset shift now that you're like a well-known entrepreneur doing deals around the globe, acquiring companies? Mm -hmm. So I think it all comes down to to a few basic things. I think to, to become successful with anything, it all comes down to pretty simple things. But those simple things are not easy to do. So... Mm. The, it just things like you know being committed, being consistent, doing your best, um, have great habits, those simple things, and, and just driving for excellence in general. Um, those are the things that just make all the difference. Just the the, the fact that you're trying to grow all the time. Mm -hmm. It's I, I really think success is just little things compounded over time and there are great books about it like the compound effect and mm. the slight edge success about is about the little things it's not about one day being great it's about being a little great every day for a long long time mm. yeah as you said that just sort of reminds me of i think it's uh, james altucher i don't know if you've heard about him but he yeah. he talks about it a lot of um, trying to improve one percent every day and that by if you improve one percent every day, I think by the end of the year you're fifty percent better off compared to where you first started at the um, initial part of the year. I don't know if I've not done the compounded calculation, but it seems like that is uh, approximately right. Yeah, um, I'm believing that one hundred percent. I think that's the only difference between people are successful and not. It's just that those who are successful got habits that they're doing day to day and trying to get better at and they're just more consistent than others mm. okay so let's jump back into your business your early businesses and we're talking about the um, marketing agency that you started and ran after you got out of the service so you you were running that agency and then you happened upon um, itips the app tell us a little bit about that app uh, venture yeah, so with the with the iTips apps, I basically bought an existing app company, and it was one of the first deals that I did. Basically, the first deal that I did before I even knew about this world of buying businesses, becoming an investor, things like that. I just saw a great opportunity in the market in the app store. I saw an app that doing something similar to what I did eventually, and I thought that I could do better. So I found literally by accident this guy who got existing 
app company um, who got a similar app to what I wanted to have and I just bought it and then we just pretty much just fixed it, made it better and grew it tremendously. Um, the app became really, really successful and that's what really, really opened my eyes to what's possible with just doing deals in general. Mm, so as the app got successful, t- give us a few numbers now. How much money were you making and was this kind of like living the four-hour work week of just cashing in passive income all day long, sleeping on the, sitting on the beach somewhere in Monaco or the south of France, you know, chilling? <laughs> it was a seven-figure business. Oh, wow. And it's definitely... Revenues and profit. Revenues, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's definitely the closest thing that I had to four-hour work week because I literally, personally, just didn't need to do much in order to keep the business the same. Mm. Um, as soon as you rank in the App Store, at least at least back then when the App Store was pretty new, <clears throat> as soon as you got your ranking, you're good. You're getting downloads and traffic from the App Store. You don't need to do much more. Um, although back then, I used to be the first people who sent traffic to a mobile app, so paid traffic. I remember people looking at me, looking at me like crazy, saying, what, what are you doing? Are you sending paying traffic, paying for traffic to, to get people to download your app? But what, that was one of the main reasons that my app got um, the, the ranking that it got, just because I got there the, the, the initial boost and momentum to that app. You know, something that now is it's like trivial. Now when you build a business, if you're not running traffic, you're, you're insane. Yeah. So yeah, back back then it was pretty 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 um, new, and uh, it, it took a lot of initiative to run traffic to to an app, basically. Yeah. Mm. So what went wrong with the business or the venture? Yeah. So uh, one day uh, Apple came with their own version for that app. Um, basically, everyone who owns iPhone right now, if you'll search one of your default apps, you have uh, an app that is basically giving tips on how to use the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And we, we had basically the same app. So um, one day, basically, Apple came to me and told me, hey, sorry, you can't upload uh, a new version for that app anymore. And that basically destroyed my company in a day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And just just as you just mentioned that that just shows me that you know a, a big factor that a lot of us overlook in this digital age is um and i think all of us were all guilty of this is the over-reliance on the platform so itunes yep. google amazon facebook uber whatever you know they aggregate attention they aggregate the audience and then they let you make money but you have to realize that these guys are benevolent dictators when they see the analytics and they know how much you're making, they can just wake up and decide one day that just like that, you know, they're going to be in that business and poof, all your money is gone because they own the house and the house always wins, correct? Yeah, you got it. I mean, that's a big, big lesson that I learned. You got to own your audience in more than one place. If not, it's just not a, not a legit business, at least in my opinion. Hmm. So the big lesson you got from that was you have to own your audience. At least you have to you have to create something that is memorable, something that will drive people to you and not necessarily to the platform. Correct? You you got it exactly. You gotta have something. Again, don't get me wrong. There are tons of apps that making tons of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my opinion, in order to have a legit, sustainable, sustainable, long term business, you need to have 
pretty much what you said. You need to have something that will bring people back to you just because it's you and not because they um, just because they found you in a specific um, app store and they can replace you tomorrow. So you need to have something unique, something meaningful to the, that audience, and then that audience will get back to you no matter what. So now, you know, having gone through that experience, you know, after Google, I said Google, iTunes, they're all the same, Google, iTunes. You know? <laughs> after I, iTunes. Had, I had a similar, I had a very bad scenario with Apple, with uh, Google as well. So. Oh, yeah, what happened there? Yeah. Uh, we we had a business that um, was making a lot of money just by putting ads on it on on the website. So just okay. put, put in Google AdSense. Oh. Whoever familiar with that, and same there. One day Google just shut down an account with a few hundred thousand dollars in there, and um, I could go after them and sue them. But I I did my research and very few people try to sue Google for their AdSense revenues can get it back. So I was just like, okay, um, screw it. Let's let's do something else. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 really horrible that that always happens because those stories, I mean, they come up repeatedly, but you always hear all the gurus touting, oh, you need to make money as a Amazon uh, associate or you need to do AdSense yeah. or you need to, it's, it's yeah. always the popular, you know, low-hanging fruit, easy way to go make money. And yep. um, you find out, go. yeah, you find out that there's always that sword hanging, waiting to just fall on you and kill you. So, um, in terms of you know emotionally and mentally, what happened? To, I know you mentioned that you know you lost money, but like you know, were you depressed after the the business died? Essentially, were you were you broke? Did you save money? Uh, what happened to you emotionally and mentally after you lost that business? Yeah, oh man, I was definitely, I had my depression periods. Uh, I mean, I had really, really rough times, you know, waking up, not knowing what to do. Um, very, very sad. Just thinking, you know, back then, I remember when I just started in business, I thought that as soon as I start to make money with a business, it's going to make money for life. And I think that's another huge lesson you need to learn that I don't care what business you have, you're going to have your ups and downs. The markets are going to go up, the markets are going to go down. Nothing is going to stay for life. I mean, there are huge, huge companies out there who just failed one day and no one could expect that. So um, I definitely had my bad periods, but I think looking back, those were the really, really important moments for me to just figure out what I really love to do in my life and what I, what I would do even if money was not an, an issue and just figuring out what to do and I guess the biggest lesson that I got is just go for things that you want to do, mm-hmm. even if money was no object, or or think to yourself, what would you do if you weren't, if there's no chance you'll be successful in it? So we'll go and find something that you will do, even if you're going to fail for forever in this, mm-hmm. or go something that you'll do even if you have 100 million in your bank. I mean, just thinking, just think to yourself, hey, what would I do if I had hundreds of millions in my bank? Mm-hmm. And when you do those things, I believe that's when you really, really, uh, first of all, do something that you love and enjoy every day. Mm-hmm. And then when you enjoy your day to day, you're just able to be much more productive and produce much more value. And that's why just build be better, better, better businesses and just help more people and make more money at the end of the day. How did you discover um, the business of acquisitions? I would call it um, private equity, but um, I think... Um, I know you and I spoke earlier and um, we have a 
mutual connection in common, which is Ace Chapman, who I interviewed prior on this show, and he calls it uh, micro private equity. So, how did you um, discover this space of? Yeah, and I and I know Ace, and Ace is an amazing guy that I worked with as well. I I stumbled upon this world after watching TV shows like Shark Tank and The Profit, which I I, I think are amazing shows. Yeah, and I was basically. Yeah, and, and I was pretty much thinking, hey, I want to be those guys. I want to be one of those guys. And that's what led me to just research as many people as I can. I paid well over six figures for different mentors who are teaching those things. Um, pretty much anyone I could find there. And yeah, I was really fortunate to also get in touch with people who are partners in VC firms, in venture capital firms, and just private investors and and just did everything that I can in order to get myself into this world when I realized that it's possible. Hmm. I you know one thing you said when you were talking about watching Shark Tank and the profit is um, even I too, because I have my degrees in finance and why I got into finance was basically because I watched um, this um, this movie way, way back. It's Pretty Woman, Richard Gere. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I always knew as a kid that I don't know what this guy does, but... I want to do what he does, you know? Yep. <laughs> so yep. it wasn't until much later in high school that I realized, oh, that's investment banking, deal making. And, all <laughs> and I structured like my career to try and like replicate what he did. I you love know? it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it's pretty much what, what we're doing right now. He, what he was doing is he used to buy companies and basically sell them separately because he, he thought that he could buy, he could sell separately in a, in a higher value. And what they could buy those businesses for so yeah def- definitely similar things to what we're doing just just the opposite i guess we're not we're not um uh, selling companies separately what we're doing is we're trying to buy companies and then bring them together but yeah, it's, it's a very similar process yeah well the thing most people always think about is that you know doing what you're doing now is always gated you know they feel they have to go to maybe some fancy school get an mba work at an investment bank then maybe get into some you know, top tier private equity firm before after they get a couple years of experience, they can now come out and start on their own and do this. And you never even went on that traditional path. You just learned from mentors directly and jumped right in. So um, for those people that are afraid to go in thinking that this um, world that you live in and this business that you're doing is gated, what would you say to those people? Yeah, I'd say find a mentor, find someone who's already doing what you're doing or someone who's already five or 10 years ahead of you and do whatever you can to be around him. Like even for me personally right now, I would love to find people who are enthusiastic, who are looking to work hard and I'm happy to give people equity in deals that they help me find. So, I mean, if you if you find a way to add value to someone, mm-hmm. he'll, be, he'll be willing to mentor you. It's just a way of you finding the right way to add the right value to that right person um, i don't think you need university or things like that although i do think you get amazing value in some of those uh degrees like even finance uh, i know that if i if i had a degree maybe i knew um things better in in the, like the nuances mm-hmm. of things but at the same time i don't think it's it's necessary to get results i think in the end of the day in order to get results in anything you want, it, it's it's about the 80-20 rule. You know, you only need like 20% of the the knowledge in order to produce 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try to focus on. I think it's much more important for you to be a master of execution versus yeah. 
master of just learning more. So when you walk into a negotiation or a deal to acquire a company, you know, what, what's your process? What do you look out for? Okay, before we even get to the negotiation stage. So what's your process of evaluating companies that are good deals or good buys? Yeah, so there, there are a few ways to, to value a business, right? In the end of the day, we want a good business that is profitable unless we have the the agenda to find the business is not doing that well and we want to fix it, which we did as well. Um, but in the end of the day, you want uh, just company that get good financials. You want um, good management teams. So you want good people. And yes, you want to have, you know, just good product. Like I don't want to be buying again another business that is reliable on just one source of, of traffic or income or things like that. You know, I don't want to have the same mistakes. So ideally, I want a combination of everything. I also love to find businesses that got some low-hanging fruit of opportunities. So if I see something that I can initially uh, fix or add very fast to the business, I really like those things because I know as soon as I get in, I can increase the business profit very fast. When it comes to like buying the business, do you have to have a lot of money in the bank? So how, how, does, how does that work for someone that doesn't know this industry or wants to even think of saying oh man what Moran said is cool I want to follow his footsteps you know how would someone go about paying for if, for example you have a two million dollar valued company that you want to buy and you barely have twenty thousand dollars in your account you know how would someone pay for something like that yeah um, in the end of the day people need to realize that the richest people in the world they don't grow their wealth with their own capital. They always got access to other people's money, if it's private money or if it's institutional money. Mm -hmm. um, like if you look at some of the richest people in the world are hedge fund managers. And hedge fund, manage, fund managers, all they're doing is they're investing other people or institutions' money and they're mm -hmm. taking a cut from it. Yeah. And they're making billion, billions. Um, so we're pretty much doing the same. We're going to a business, so let's say we want to buy a business doing two million a year, like you just mentioned, mm -hmm. we don't we don't need to use our own personal capital for that unless that's the investment strategy that you have. But you can buy businesses um, using the business assets to provide you the financing for the acquisition. And that's what the richest people in the world are doing. It's been done for many, many years with billion dollar deals and the same process can be done in one, two, three, five million dollar deals. Okay, so we've talked about financing. Now let's talk about negotiation. When it comes to sitting at the table and doing the deal, you know, the art of the deal, like yeah. Dr. Torb's book. So what are some things you try to get out of the negotiation process or what are some things you look, look for during the negotiation process? And how do you engineer and optimize it so that you get a favorable outcome at the end of the day? Yeah, a uh, great question. So I think in the end of the day, any negotiation or uh, argument or anything like that in life, I think that the, the person who always wins in argument is the person who's not even getting into those arguments. And that's, uh, that's the way I see negotiations as well. You don't want to try to beat your opponent or the seller. I really see it as, as us having a conversation, trying to get to an understanding together. And when it's a win-win situation for both of us, that's the only way for us to get a deal going. And that's, that's the way I try to look at it. I just try to figure out what, what the seller needs. 
I tell him what are my needs and what I can do. And based on that, we try to find a mutual agreement. Where do you find the best businesses with the biggest discounts? Where do you find deals and how do you find deals? Yeah, so you, you don't necessarily need to find discounts. You just need to find a combination of good business combining with someone who's actually motivated to sell this business or, or, just, in, or just looking to sell the business. Because any business owner out there you, you'll talk to, if you tell him, hey, I want to buy your business, he'll, he'll tell you, cool, what, what, what you're looking to pay. And if you ask him for a price, he'll just give you a random number. Just pay me 50 million just because I, just because everyone thinks he got the best business in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're trying to find someone who's actually looking to sell the business for whatever reason. Yeah. He's looking to retire. He's looking to start a new business. He's not passionate about this business anymore or whatever. Sometimes, you know, every, everyone got their own um, situations going on. Where do we find them? Um, all over the place. It's like, it's like trying to get a client for a business. You build yourself marketing funnels in all different places. It could be online or offline. And we just try to put ourselves out there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And as long as you put yourself out there, present yourself as someone who's looking to buy businesses, you'll get leads eventually. Because mm. I know from experience that like in the real estate field, which I've played in once or twice, Mm-hmm. The best real estate deals are the ones that are not advertised or listed. You know, they are the ones that, you know, the person wants to sell. They are motivated to sell, but they're not going to want to put themselves out there for people to know their business that, oh, they're in financial trouble or they need money or they're trying to sell. It's usually backroom conversations over coffee yeah. or tea and you or drinks even at the bar. They say, hey, you know what? I happen to have a house. I'm. I'm interested in selling. Do you know anybody? And those are the places where you find the best deals. Do you find that's the case in your experience also? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think those are the best deals out there. I mean, deals that are coming from your your close network, I guess. Um, referrals are the best just because no one heard about those deals yet. And when everyone is hearing about those deals, you're just getting yourself into a, a competitive situation that uh, personally I don't want to get myself into. Mm. So what are, uh, looking at it from like a high level now, from a macro level, what are two of, mm-hmm. two of the best, or should I say the most profitable sectors and industries that um, investors you know and people you work with in your circle are pouring money into now with um, little to no fear of the future because they know that there's probably going to be a guaranteed return and the exit in the future. So what are some of the, the sweet spots that you guys are you're seeing right now in the marketplace? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think it really depends on the individual. And I think the best industry for a specific person is the industry that he knows most about. Because if you have experience in, in sector A and you're going to go into sector B and you don't know anything about it, it's going to be very different case for you versus someone who's in that industry for 20 years. So I'd say you want to find some combination of your experience, your background, your lifestyle goals. And if you find something like that, I mean, any industry could work out. I know people invest in and buy businesses in pretty much any industry. And even me personally, I'm looking at deals and open to look at deals in every sector, every country. I think um, what you know about business is much more important. In the end of the day, I think business is just more coming, making sure that more money coming in than money going out. Mm -hmm. And if you know, if you know the process to, to make that happen, then I don't think the industry matters as much. Mm. 
and for um, doing joint venture deals and working with other entrepreneurs in the M&A entrepreneurship circle, for example, how do you structure deals or like you mentioned earlier you're willing to work with people if they work hard you're willing to give them equity but sometimes a deal could just be too big for one person to go at alone so how do you look for a good partner to partner with in making a big deal for example yeah so it depends what, what, on what are my needs right if, if i need someone who got experience in the sector i'll, I'll go and look for someone in the sector and maybe give him equity to come as a consultant it's really that, that's what i love about this world of deal making of buying businesses of investing in businesses every deal is different every deal is new it's not it's not uh, the same a second time it's always a new experience always a new venture always a new structure for the deal always working with different people different sectors that's why there's there's no one answer to to all it's really a deal by deal basis and um, that's what makes me really love this, this this world of buying businesses. It's just fun. It's, I think it's a perfect business for ADD people who just want to be involved in many new things and uh, again and again and, and just be involved in many sectors um, at the same time. And yeah, that's why I think it really, really depends on the deal in the end of the day. Okay. So now we've talked a lot about getting into the deal. What about getting out of a deal and exiting? So what mm-hmm. are your criteria in terms of exiting a deal making a sale or do you plan to hold these companies forever like take for example um what's his name i forget the second richard warren buffett says he buys, buffett. he buys companies and tries to hold them forever what's your approach to exiting do you hold perpetually or do you look for an exit after a defined period mm-hmm. i think in the end of the day for me personally it just really depends on the offers that I'm getting and on my partners and on the lifestyle goals. I don't have one specific, um, basically, uh, criteria. I'm not saying, hey, I'm only going to hold them forever or only going to sell. Uh, again, that's that, that's what I love about this world. It's really, for me at least, really depends on the deal. If I'm getting, if I get a great offer, um, then I'll sell. At the same time, if I have partners who have a lot of experience, who just want to stay in that sector, then let's let's grow that business. I, I really don't care to be at this stage. At the same time, I do suggest people to think about selling a business no matter what. I think the best time to sell a business is now. At the same time, um, if you want to grow, it's, it's a great idea as well. But I think people need to think more about bringing more capital events like exit to their life. I think it's a, it's the only way to build real wealth. At the same time, sometimes you just care more about um, the impact that you're having and I guess your lifestyle. And in that case, um, just make whatever decision that's, that's working for you. Okay. So now give us a case study, Moran. What's been your best deal to date? Um, I like all deals. You know, I had deals where I just got the business for literally uh, for free. And the, the only reason that I, I did this deal is because the business had tons of money on the balance sheet. And the guy told me, hey, I need to sell the business to someone because if I'll take the money out right now from the balance sheet, I'll need to pay tons of taxes versus if I sell the business to you, I'll only pay like 10% taxes versus like 45. So mm. things like that, I really like just deals that, that we can close really fast. I had deals where um, people just give me equity in the business because I helped them grow the business and just give them advice. So for those deals, I don't even need to bring in any, any financing. Yeah. And I can bring in a lot of value to those deals. So 
I think any deal is cool. And even if it didn't work out, you learn a lot from it. So I'd say I'm, I'm in here for the experience, for the fun, for the, the journey, for the day-to-day um, enjoyment and learning and growing. Uh, that's, that's what I'm here for. And as we wind down the show, I just have one or two questions for you. You've mentioned earlier about working with mentors and um, learning from people who are five, ten years ahead of you. So who are some of the people you look up to? Yeah, so I learn from anyone that I can. No one person that I left for. I have uh, my partner right now. His name is Carl Allen. He's helping me a lot to get tons of experience. He's amazing. Um, I learned from tons of others. I still try to learn from tons of others. People, some of you, you follow pro names, you just won't recognize because some of them are just here in, in Israel, partners in, in VC firms. Some of them are out there, but I, I don't know how much they're putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really try to learn from everyone I can, even from people that I, I, I'm, I'm basically mentoring them. I, I try to learn from them as well. I think you can learn from everyone. Looking back on your career thus far, um, knowing mm-hmm. what you know now, is there anything you would change if you had to go back in time to do it all over again? Wow. Um, <laughs> great question. I I don't know if I'd change anything just because I wouldn't go, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Um, but there are definitely tons of lessons that I wish I had back then that I could do things much faster. What are some of your best uh, tools, your books, tapes, you know, programs that have helped you become a better entrepreneur and a better individual. Yeah, I think a better person. So I already mentioned a book like The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy really, really changed my mindset. Just getting to a point where you change your mindset from achieving success fast to change um, your definition to success to be having the right habits every day consistently. Um, things like that, even just spiritual books like um, things from Eckhart Tolle, like The Power of Now. Um, I try to read a lot. At the same time, I think people need to understand that uh, I don't care how many books you read, you're only going to get results by execution. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest, biggest issue that's, that I see. I see people um, think that reading more books or listening to more um, courses or things like that is a pro is progress to mm-hmm. get the results which is not it's just a potential to get those results but you gotta execute mm-hmm. i think the best the best book is just taking action that's that's the best thing <laughs> i could tell yeah i like that the best book is taking action where can people find you and get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing yeah for sure so if someone got existing business is looking to sell or if you want to get into this world of buying businesses and just not sure how and looking to, to if you want to watch my back while i do deals I'm, I'm happy like i said to give people equity while they watch my back if, if they're willing to help me find deals and things like that um so if you want just uh, feel free to email me my my personal email is moan m-o-r-a-n at abd assets my company name and yeah, let's, uh, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. And I know you're in Israel right now and I'm in Africa right now. So if somebody listening here, if I find a deal for you, are you going to fly down to West Africa and, you know, make it happen? Yeah, 100%. We're looking at deals all over the world right now. Our, our main markets are, are UK, US, Canada, and Australia. But I looked at deals even in Poland and Mexico. So I'm, I'm, I'm open to look at deals all over the place. 
I love it. So um we're looking forward to hosting you here. If I do find a good deal, I'm going to send it your way and then have you come over and you know we we break bread and you know talk about deal making and just have a good time in the city. So Moran, it's yeah, been a I pleasure having you on the show. I really want to thank you for coming and sharing your words of wisdom and your business strategy and just your outlook on life in general. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com.